Welcome to episode three of Our Self-Love Stories. Fair warning, in today's episode, our guest will be talking about some childhood trauma, including sexual abuse. So if you feel that you may not be ready for this episode quite yet, please skip on to another episode. We do send you a lot of love and light for those who may be dealing with this and hope that you seek the help that you need. Um, Please reach out to your local um, resources and those who may help you. Again, sending you all positivity, good energy, and a lot of love. Now, let's get on to today's episode. On this episode of Our Self Love Stories, we have a mom of two dope-ass kids, wife to her best friend forever, shout out Carl Behesa, entrepreneur, co-founder of Virago Soul, and transformative life coach, the very beautiful, smart, talented, and outspoken Crystal Dizon Behesa. Hello, Crystal. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for um, joining us for today's episode. Yay. Thank you for inviting me and having me. I appreciate that so much. Of course. And full disclosure, anyone listening right now, this is actually the second time interviewing Crystal. The first time around was the very first time I thought, okay, let me record and interview someone for this podcast. And afterwards, I think we both, it's it's interesting. I think we both kind of felt like it wasn't what we both thought it would be. And and so, you know, you um, have been on this journey more recently of self-discovery, self-realization, and you shared with me a piece that you wrote for Virago Soul, which is your blog, and to your subscribers at crystaldizondehesa.com. I want to get into that because I know you opened up a lot, but before I do, can you share with everyone listening right now what takes most of your day? What what can we see you doing, I guess, on the daily if we were to be a flyer on your wall or, you know, a little mini version of us packed in your 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 purse or whatnot? Oh, uh, I wish that I could say I was doing like a lot of walking out of my house, but as you know, we're on lockdown. <laughs> We've been on lockdown for like a year, so it's you would really be just a fly on my wall watching me in my home. And it's a lot of me in the morning, I work out and then I come home, I get ready for the day. I homeschool my daughter, me and my husband take turns. And then I go attend and I have clients after that. And then after I do that, we try to eat lunch as a family. Sometimes Carl's not here. So it's me and the kids. And then we usually, I usually go back to work. The kids are chilling for a while until I stop working at four and I bring them outside to play because going outside is huge for us. It's a way to reset and get out of our condo, which we've been in for a while. So that's pretty much my day. I miss, I really, really miss going out having meetings outside of my home, not being in front of the computer because I feel like human connection is so, so important. It's funny because I feel like I would kind of stay away from small talk a lot when before the pandemic, just because I I don't, it's not a comfortable space for me. I don't really love it. But a year of like not really having it, I'm down. I'm so down right now. How are you? What are you doing? What's up? (laughs) 
socialize with me. Please ask me anything. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to release this specific episode, but we are recording it on Good Friday, Holy Week. And prior to the pandemic, we spent like the past three or so Holy Weeks together. Yeah. yeah, going out and enjoying having food near your pool. Um, so it's really changed. <laughs> so this is the second year without you for Holy Week. The se- and the second year, yeah, that we didn't hang out and that the pool is closed. Like you can't even oh, no. swim. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's, I mean, times have changed. Times have really changed, cool. yeah. But I'm just hopeful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that so we have- can get back to that. Yeah. Go ahead. So no, it's, it's great. Um, you have structure, you know, you're, uh, you work from home, you teach from home to Noah, your, your daughter, your eldest and having structure is very, it, it keeps our sanity. Right. So that's amazing. And you guys go out. I think that is a, a form of self-love and self-care to be able to step out of the walls that you're confined in majority of the day. But what does self-love mean to you? I mean, our, our podcast is called uh, our self-love stories. So what does self-love mean? For me, self-love means showing up for yourself, really understanding what is it that I need? What is it that I want? How can I serve myself? And that could be to serve other people, you know, like I'm not going to discredit people that find love in that. But for me, it's really, you know, staying in the room, having no noise, it being quiet, and just getting back to me, kind of just grounding myself and understanding what do I need right now? Where am I lacking? Do I need more rest? What is that? Like, how can I feed my soul right now? And that's something I neglected for a long time because I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know that I should do that. Um, I didn't know that taking care of myself was so important. And I don't mean like putting on makeup or, you know, all the external stuff. It was really all the internal stuff. That was a lot of stuff that I avoided for so long. I avoided it. What was it that prompted you? and or allowed you to reflect and realize that that was something that you needed to do for yourself? It was definitely having a family, like starting my own family and realizing that my cup was empty, trying to attend to my husband, see what he needed, attend to my daughter, see what she needed. Um, This was also before I had my son. And, you know, having friends, what do they need from me? And it's like, give, give, give. And I was just like, okay, I, I don't even know what I need because I have no idea who I am. And that was like, okay, I need to stop blaming my husband or my kids for how I feel. I need to accept that I don't know how I feel because I'm not asking myself these questions. That is deep. That is deep. You were looking towards other people for a feeling or to get you out of a feeling. All of it, all of it, like to get a feeling, to get myself out of a feeling. If I'm in a funk, then I wouldn't get myself out of the funk. Like, Carl, how do I get me out of this funk? Or or I would allow myself to sulk in that funk for days. Like, I'm going to give myself three, four days. <laughs> like, really, have to be in a funk for that long when I could learn to understand myself and be like, okay, this is why you're in a funk right now. What's the plan? 
and like you know take that road like okay now we have a solution here's the problem here's the solution let's do that versus your solution is to sulk for five days and you know see how you feel after that yeah yeah you know when I read the article you wrote for Virago Soul and for your website for your subscribers um, there was a part I believe where you said that before you and Carl became exclusive and official, you would open up to him and share certain things. And he would say, girl, you need to listen to some Beyonce. I was like, F this guy, what? <laughs> How dare you? But I also was like, damn, he's right. He's so right. No one, no one, no one was calling me out on my shit. It was really him who was able to say these things to me which is funny because I'm always calling people out on their shit, but I guess sometimes, you know, being a more assertive woman, people would be intimidated to say something back to me. And, but he did. And I was like, Oh, that's so annoying, but he's so right. Because, you know, I was just at a point in my life where I didn't really have boundaries for myself. And, you know, I was, I'm a rebel till this day, but my early 20s were my most rebellious. As much as, you know, I feel like there was so much shame and guilt attached to it, I have gone to a point where I fully accepted that version of me, although that version of me was a very destructive and just a woman in pain. Okay, so you talked about being a rebellious woman. Now, I'm sure is much different than it was 10 years ago or in your 20s. What do you feel you were rebelling back in your 20s during the destructive days? You know, I feel like what I was rebelling then is almost still the same, like what I'm rebelling now. It was really just how I was, how I was reacting. So I feel like before people would just put me in a box, which people still but then I was very reactive. So I would react in very harsh ways. I would say mean things. I would just like act out, drink a lot, do drugs, all that stuff. As where now you can't put me in a box, but I'm also emotionally mature woman where I understand how to respond versus react. That's huge. Uh, respond versus reacting. <laughs> I mean, um, it takes a lot of self-reflection to do that. And it's great that you, you know, your family is what urged you to really seek a better version of yourself and know that your reactions and your responses are two different beasts. <laughs> so um, in that article, again, that I've mentioned a few times already, you did talk about a lot of healing you've been going through something that you hadn't opened up about. And I, I know you have yet to even talk about it. You've written about it, you know, your subscribers and readers have read it. You've opened up to your mother. I'm assuming through a message, through a text about it. Through FaceTime. Through Face. Okay. Okay. So at least there's one person you have um, opened up uh, verbally about it. Yeah. Well, my mom and my sisters. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it was a huge trauma for you. Was it something that you had regressed memories and all of a sudden, whoa, I just remember that happened to me? Or was it something you just kept inside for so long? Oh, it was something that I kept inside for so long because it happened for so long. Um, 
you know, they're in those early 20s. I can't, I, I'll say that a lot of people didn't know I was going through a lot of like, you know, suppressing emotions and a lot of self-hate. And I suppressed all of it because it was just something I didn't want to think about. I didn't want to think about my past. And I also wanted to think and make myself believe that I was okay. And that was the hard part, but I wasn't okay. Uh, I had gone through, you know, several years of, you know, physical abuse from my dad. He would, he, my dad is such a cool guy, especially now that, you know, he's a bit older, but my parents had a, you know, very tough relationship and with so much stress moving, you know, migrating to the Philippines, I mean, migrating to the US, trying to make ends meet, trying to live the American dream. I feel like that stress really put a lot on him and he became very violent. So starting, I mean, from when I can remember, you know, I've, I've seen him hit my mom. I've seen he's hit all of us. And I just never knew which version we would get when he would come home. And so that put us, you know, that was something that I also thought was normal. You know, because all my neighbors, all that, like if we acted up, be like, yeah, I got my ass whooped, you know, my parents beat my ass. And that was normal. That was, that was okay. That was accepted behavior. I knew that he was overly aggressive because um, I've just never seen anyone else's parent act like that. But, you know, eventually you just kind of become immune to it. And that was really hard because not knowing what version we would get, I guess, would put me in fight or flight mode. I just didn't know what to do. And it would make me very anxious. It kept me it kept my anxiety levels high. Being the eldest of five kids, I had to make sure, you know, I was protecting not just myself, like it wouldn't really be protecting myself. I would be like, I had to protect my siblings. So that was really hard. And that was something that I didn't think affected me the way that it did. And yeah, on top of that, I had had a relative that was really close to our family sexually abuse me from a young age and for quite some time too. And I just, it, I mean, it, I was so young that I didn't know what was happening. But as I got older, I knew what was happening, but I didn't know how to say no. I didn't know how to say stop. I didn't know how to talk to my parents about it. I didn't know how to handle that situation. And that was just another, another, you know, that was something else that I suppressed for a long time and felt like I'm okay. You know, you hear women, it's like one in three women are abused and the sad truth is we are the ones that have to carry that trauma, not our abusers. And 
so when you do hear stories of women, you're like, I'm just not her. I just don't feel like that. Like, I, I, I can handle this. This is fine. I'm okay. I'm okay. And I really think that I said that enough times that in my head, I thought I was okay. But it was really the opposite, you know? Like, I didn't realize that I was acting out because of so much trauma, because of, go like, the way I would react to things was because I was always on the defense. I always thought like, I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. Or I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm okay. So this is how I'm going to react to this. So it was really to protect myself during that entire process without understanding that I was really just being destructive. There's a part of a, a lot of victims of abusers that, you know, they get into this, what is, what looks very self-destructive because they're trying to gain some sort of control, right? For a huge lack of control they had, you know, because they were victims of something, but it's such a beautiful thing to look in the mirror, look deep in the mirror and realize, okay, whatever control I'm trying to have is is actually a lack of control. I really don't know what I'm doing for myself and what I want. So in what ways did that impact you? You know, you were drinking, um, were there other things that you realized, okay, I need to stop and I need to figure this out before I really get uh, to the lowest low for myself? When you grow up in a household where you will, of course, probably end up in similar relationships. And that's what happened to me. I attracted men that were also abusive. And in my like teen years, it was not really so bad. Like, I mean, would I want my daughter to be in relationships like that? Hell no. But, but I guess it was like, a, a, let me say like entry level, right? Of not of abuse. And it was what I allowed and it opened it up to really being in a very toxic relationship. When I moved here to the Philippines, when I was 20, shortly after I end up in a relationship and I was in this relationship for about like three and a half years, something like that. And it was a very toxic relationship. He was verbally and physically abusive. And I'm not going to say I was an angel either. I didn't know, you know, this was a normal to me. So my response was very aggressive too. And, but I stayed because it just, it seemed normal. It seemed like I've invested so much time. I also didn't know my self-worth. The things he would tell me were so hurtful that you know, I had, I was so, so insecure. I had no sense of self. I had completely lost myself in that relationship. And so be, that's really where I felt like, okay, you know, this is my, one of my first times really feeling like I've hit rock bottom, not even rock bottom yet, but this is where I felt like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know what to do. Um, just, I felt so lost. Like, I just didn't, like, 
where are you, who are you? I don't, please like save me, someone save me. And me still looking for someone to save me, not realizing that you know, I had to save myself. How did you get out of it? So I was doing Bini Bini at the time. And I ended up making a bunch of new friends. Because, and I think that because we shared so many of the same friends, it was hard for me to exit that relationship. But now that I had made my own set of friends, because when you're in an abusive relationship, there is no, this is mine and this is yours. Everything is we, 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 we. So I did not have my own identity. Everything was he and I, wherever he was, I was, wherever I was, he was. And I also let him dictate things that I would do, places I would go. And I started to feel a sense of independence and self when I was competing and creating my own friend, like new set of friends. And he would even be like, you're changed. Like you change, you change. And I was starting not to care what he thought anymore. And I, I, I had already started to resent him and I could feel him changing too. Like, trying to be nicer, trying to like him really seeing that I was changing and that, okay, there's a chance that she is like going and coming into her own. And, you know, that's a huge red flag for him. So me meeting these friends, finally, I'm like, this is like, what am I doing? Like, I'm done. I'm done. And I already had my own place. And one day I just called him and I was like, we hadn't talked for a few days because I had gone out one night and didn't like text or something when I got home, which was something he did often, but it wouldn't matter if he did it. It only mattered if I did it. So I didn't do it. And then I had work the next few days. I was like, Hey, I'm in your area. Like, can I come by? And he was like, no, I'm like, okay. And that night I'm like, Hey, I got to come by. Like, we need to talk and he just knew so he wouldn't let me come over I had to break up like I was like well this isn't something I'm gonna hold in anymore like he's like I already know what you want to do and that's what happened and we broke up and I had like such an amazing sense of freedom the destructive part of me had blossomed into a different type of beast and I was out a lot I was drinking more I started doing drugs sometimes and it was very liberating but also very toxic and you know the new friends I made were not exactly people that I should have been surrounding myself with you know they were great at the time but I did get to a point where you know the more I was doing this the more I was doing this I was like who still like you left that relationship and still who am I who am I where where am I what am I doing you know my I feel like in the relationship my intuition was almost gone and after leaving it I think she was like hey I'm back and yeah like I need some attention like I'm here poking at me and I started listening and I remember being at like an after party and being like the hell am I doing here like I need to go home like take your ass home and went home 
And that was something that I hated doing, go, like leaving the party and going home because then I would be left with my thoughts to just, you know. And when I was left with my thoughts, it was a scary place to be because it would just be like, you suck. What are you doing with your life? You're nobody. You're, you know, you're trash. And I believed those things until, so I'd be like, please, please, please go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And, but at this time I was just like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go. And I left, I started hanging out with my old friends again. I met Carl and yeah, you know, like shortly after hanging out with Carl, I found someone that was kind of in, you know, I've met someone that for some reason we were just able to really open up with each other and we shared a lot we were both just out of really bad relationships. So we did not want a relationship at all, um, which was great because I feel like it blossomed into a beautiful friendship. And, you know, as a relationship coach, I feel the better relationship you have with yourself, the better relationships you could have with other people. Right. And it, it sounds like you and Carl's are such a great example of how you focused on you. He even encouraged you to focus on you and you both continue to encourage each other to focus on yourselves. Um, and it creates such a beautiful marriage that you guys have. You know, what's funny is people are always like, you know, you have to love, like you have to love yourself before you find that one. And I was like, no, like that didn't happen for me. Like I was far from loving myself when I met Carl. Maybe this is like the end, like this is the beginning. That was the beginning of me showing up for myself. Like, you know, leaving the relationship, hanging out less with toxic friends. But it was still, you know, I was still very far from loving myself. But being in this relationship really made me understand how much I needed to show up for myself because I had been neglecting myself for so long. And we were already in a relationship when I did start really realizing how much trauma I had and how I had to work on it. You know, it was really, and he was going through similar, I mean, totally different types of trauma, but you know, his own share and together we would talk about it. And I feel like that began a huge healing process for both of us. Yeah. That it's, is just so beautiful, you know, and you could, you could tell when you are as a friend, you know, um, outside looking in, um, to your relationship, you could tell it is such a beautiful one, such an open, honest, communicative one. Yeah. Maybe you guys get frustrated with each other, but you're able to talk it out. Yeah, and that was something we had to work it work at. Like we for real would just lock ourselves in our room and be like, How do we fix this? How do we work through this? What how do you feel? How do I feel? And that was something that never happened. That was something that was never shown to us. That was something that, you know, we both came from really toxic relationships where, you know, he his mom passed early. His dad wasn't really the best father figure. So he never really saw a relationship uh, or like, you know, a healthy relationship. Same with me. And, you know, that showed in our past relationships. He wasn't in an abusive relationship, but he cheated. 
and so did she. I also had cheated on my ex. So, you know, it was something where it's like, hey, there's going to be like some triggers here. You know, there's a lot of triggers we're going to have to work through. Like, can I trust you? Are you going to do that to me? And, and, and like never once did we ever want to do that because we were always so honest with each other and during, and we always, we learned to nurture our relationship. So earlier when you were talking about more of the self-awareness that you, you were uh, creating and realizing the dependence you had, you know, the codependence you had and how with codependency, there is a huge lack. There's someone who typically lacks their identity. So what do you feel is your identity? What makes you, you? That's a good question. And you know, what's funny is I feel like it is my rebelliousness. Like that makes me, me, me understanding that I don't have to fit in this mold to succeed in life for me to understand that me stepping outside of the box is me stepping into my power and that what I bring to the table is so unique that I don't need validation from outside people. And like to be able to say that is huge because being someone who has been abused and has had their power taken away from them, you just don't know when you're going to find it. You don't even know if it exists. And you think that you know, you hear these stories and you're like, that's so nice, but it's not going to happen to me. It's not for me. Um, but to be able to have journeyed through that and, you know, constantly working on healing and growing and getting to a space where I'm like, no, I know who the fuck I am now. And like, no one's taking that from me because I have honor. I, I honor myself now. I, I understand who I am and what I bring to the table. And I'm not shy to say it anymore. You know, I'm not shy to say that, you know, I'm good at what I do, that I am a strong woman, that I have good opinions or that I have these opinions and you can't shake them. You can't take them from me. I'm not willing to put up a fight you know, people will always question your belief system and things like that. And it's like, I would fight people before. I would be like, you know, I'd be like, just run my mouth. And that's fine. Okay. Um, be able to be this woman now is just like, uh, definitely still a work in progress. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I have come a long way. Yeah. I always say that self-love is a journey. You know, it's, it's not just this destination that you get to self-love is healing. Self-love is accepting self-love is just so many things. So if you stop doing it, then who are you prioritizing anymore? Right? So it needs to be consistent. It needs to be every day. And it sounds as if you're, you're raising your awareness of yourself, the acceptance of yourself constantly. And as your friend, it's such a beautiful thing as a relationship coach. It's such an inspiring thing, even as your friend too. Right. But earlier, you know, we talked about you opening up to your mom on FaceTime and your sisters too. What got you to do that? Because before you felt okay, not even okay you didn't feel comfortable with being able to share it with people. So what 
what got you to, what did you have to maybe overcome to share and what was the importance of it? Um, that's a really good question. And what's crazy is that, you know, it is hard to share, but the hardest person that, you know, I had to share that with was her because, and you know, I haven't even shared it with my dad because I don't know how he would take, I don't think he could take it. What's she was, it was hard to share with her because, you know, moving to America, all they wanted to do was provide their children with new opportunities and they worked their asses off to provide. But that also meant they wouldn't be home alone. And, you know, that's, you know, being stuck with people babysitting you or, you know, things like that, being left with family members who you think you can trust. And so it was hard to tell her, but here's another, so here's how, like, I had a friend who had gotten into tarot and a card had came up that says like, there's something that you're hiding and you don't have to protect this person. And I instantly like, you know, I knew what that was. And, you know, I, I hadn't told people before I told Carl, but no one really knew. And then I was like, okay, but I'm not ready to tell, but I had ended up telling her and she was like, you should tell your mom. Like, it's really healing. And I'm like, oh, no, like that's a no. I'm not like, that was already hard to tell you. Like, I'm not telling my mom. Like in that moment when your friend asked, you know, I think that maybe you should tell your mom and you said no, what was behind the no? Oh, like I had in my head since I was young, like this is going to the grave with me. I'm not telling and most definitely not my mom because I don't want to hurt her. The worst thing that, you know, one of the worst things that could happen to your child happened to her child. How can I tell her that? You know, how I didn't want to tell her. I think it was maybe two years later, uh, I was talking to another, I was talking to my coach and we were doing an exercise and the exercise brought it all the way there to like, yes, I was abused as a child. And she asked me like, have you told your parents? And I said, no, um, and I'm not going to. And she's like, okay. She's like, I really think you should. Like, I really think that, you know, telling your parents, at least your mom is going to help you. So, this was the first time I started entertaining the thought. Like, okay, what if I tell my mom? So I had already told my sisters maybe a year before that. So I started telling them, hey, I think I'm gonna tell mom. And they're like, what, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, okay, well, you know, do what you have to do. I just, I talked about it with Carl and finally we're just like, okay. Like I'm telling her, I'm gonna tell her. And I called her and I was like, I have to tell you something, like, you know, what are you doing? And I end up telling her and she was just like, by who? And I tell her and she's shocked and she's so hurt. And 
like she's she cried and but she ended up telling saying like you know I'm proud of you like look at how you turned out despite everything you went through you're still like such an amazing mom and you have such a nice family so that was that was really nice like I didn't expect her to say all of that I did expect her to you know be hurt and go through those emotions but I didn't expect her to also be so loving about it because I really didn't make it for me telling her wasn't about the reason I mean me being scared that fear was really about how she would feel and I so that was still not thinking about how I would feel if I told her it was me about how she would feel but I think what was nice is that it was also it was for me like the next day I just felt so much lighter and like one of the big like it felt like one of the biggest exhales like just and and like I feel like I just didn't come like to peace with it but like with that chapter like I was able to get some type of closure. You know, a lot of uh, victims of abuse find it very difficult to share with their loved ones about the experience that they've had because they're more concerned of protecting that person, you know, from, from whatever feelings and emotions, they prioritize protecting that person over their own feelings. I'm glad you got that out. It was crazy. And I, like you said, like I didn't realize how much it would serve me like I was only worried about her but you know for anyone that has been in that situation like I would also encourage them to tell one of their parents or a close family member to them like their grandma or something because there's so much healing and power in it and it really is taking your power back to release something that you want to hide because it's not just about their emotions it's also about your emotions and you don't realize how much of your emotions are attached to not speaking on so that would be then the importance of sharing and opening up yes 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 like that's why like on virago or even my in my coaching like it's really centered around sharing your personal story because there is so much there's so much healing and being open about what you've been through, what you've overcome or what you're trying to overcome. But being able to set that free is so empowering. Absolutely. So I I started this podcast. It's more so what does self-love mean? You know, and it means something different for everyone. Uh, A common theme that I'm starting to notice is self-acceptance. And when you get to a place of self self-acceptance, it becomes easier to share your story, easier for you to share who you are because you accept that. Yeah. Um, When you've been through abuse, there's so much guilt and shame tied into it that it's so hard to share because we tend to believe that it's our fault. It's our fault to happen. Like I did something, but you know, I'm like, wait, how is it my fault? Like I was just a child, right? And that's something we don't accept that it's not your fault. Like you were young or you had gone through something you had experienced something, you've been conditioned to believe this, but 
you know, some we have to step out of those belief systems, that conditioning to fully process and understand that it's not your fault and that you're not alone, that there is no guilt and shame in something that you could not control. I love it. I'm so, I'm so glad and happy for you and excited for you to be able to um, heal in this way. And I know that, right, when it comes to healing, it's not linear. There's days where you might get triggered. We all might get triggered from a trauma or past experience or the conditioned beliefs. Do you find yourself, you know, when you find yourself triggered, whether it's uh, this specific trauma or, you know, your, the violence in your home as a child, whenever you get triggered, um, how do you kind of help shift that conditioned belief? Um, do you mean like how, if I get triggered emotion, like emotionally, like, could you give me an example? So, um, well, first, I guess it's more so, do you often get triggered emotionally when you realize, okay, wait, no, I'm rebelling, reacting, right? And it's not necessarily me choosing to do this. It's because you know, I'm, I'm still healing from this trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get it. So the reason I became a coach for like shifting into motherhood was because when I became a mother, my fears and my traumas manifested into my fears for my child. So whatever I had gone through, I was very, and still am fearful that it could happen to either of my children and so when I feel triggered I have to really process myself like um when it's when it's really fear-based I don't really come from a place of like yelling or anything like that it's really me in my thoughts and I feel like that's almost yeah I go inward and that can be a tough place to be but it's also a place where I'm like, all right, I need to talk to Carl and tell him how I feel because it's that act of release, right? I need to let go of this fear. Not that it fully goes away, but, you know, I do find clarity in whatever it was that triggered me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Being able to say, okay, I'm going inward. I see it. You know, this is the behavior, the reaction that I have when I'm triggered with that fear. Um, and you know that, you know, who to lean on, you could lean on your husband, you can talk about it and process your thoughts and emotions around it. So it can help you, I guess, be more at ease, be more comfortable. Yeah. Does it is it very frustrating when you don't talk about it and you don't process it? Like, what does that look like for you? That leaves me very anxious. I get a anxiety and I'm very irritable because I have so much anxiety like I can't something will set me off so easily and it's just a domino effect and I end up in a funk no one can talk to me and I just don't feel good you know physically mentally all of that I just feel like bleh and I it's just not a good place to be. So when I do feel that, I try to sit with it and then work on it. 
that's something that I encourage and help my clients process, you know, like physically, how are you feeling? Like what, what are the things that your body does? Does your heart race, do, do you, does your body heat, your temperature get higher? Do you, you know, you start to clench your fist? Like what does that anxiety or that emotion look like to you? Because it's, it's telling you something, you're, you're thinking about something, you're feeling something. It's great that you're able to process things like this. Um, uh, I feel like, you know, we've known each other for so long <laughs> and I don't know when you wrote that piece, but I'm so glad that you shared it with me. And I know that we're going to have many more conversations even off my podcast so we could open up. And I know, I hope that you know that you could talk to me about things and, you know, vice versa. So let's get back to, to self-love, you know, now through healing and healing again is a part of self-love. I guess on a lighter note, what are the daily things that you do for yourself to show yourself self-love? Um, working out for one. I just started that last mm -hmm. year and now it is very much part of my daily routine. Yes. Because it's not, you know, it's not so much I want to be like the fittest person out there, although it's a huge plus. Um, um, booty gains would be a plus, like, come on. <laughs> but, um, but I do recall you don't like squats. I don't. I'm, I do now. You do now? Okay. <laughs> I hate her body work. So, so I'm like, squats, please, no push ups. But um, it's really the sweat and how I feel after like starting off my day feeling accomplished, feeling like I've already done something tough and getting rid of all the toxins. It just puts me in a good headspace and I feel good physically. And all, if I, I think if I didn't start that during the pandemic, I would have went inward a lot more, but because I was physically moving and letting it all out, the, the release of all of that just helped me so much. So that is one huge way of showing myself love on a daily basis. I love it. I, are there other things that you, you kind of check off and make sure that you do every day? Maybe not every day, but I do try, I am mindful of, you know, getting alone time. Sometimes after dinner, I'll tell Carl, like, I want to sit alone in the room because you know, dinner time can be very hectic, like cook, feed the kids, feed yourself, all of that, a lot of talking, catching up, and like, I just want to decompress. So I just go in the room by myself, chill. If one of the kids comes in, I'm like, get out. <laughs> but yeah, so sitting alone or going for a walk with Carl when we feel like we need to connect. Um, also, getting dressed because we've been in this lockdown pandemic situation for so long I cannot stay in like house clothes or pajama clothes all week or a day like I will just not be motivated I will go and like not do anything so I, I have to put myself in a space where like this is what I need to get done today so I need to feel good I'm still all about the look good feel good I, I'm a big believer in that um, so dressing up, putting a bit of makeup on, um, I get it. Hey, everyone's like, 
people don't women don't need makeup to be beautiful I'm like I know but it's fun <laughs> it is fun it makes I mean it makes me feel good you know uh it it sparks my creativity um my eyebrows look nicer <laughs> you know like it frames my face I enjoy that you know um like my lips aren't all chapped <laughs> <laughs> see <laughs> It's important. It's important. You know, I don't want to be biting my the crust off my lips, you know, while I'm talking to you. We gotta gotta take care of ourselves in that way. Yeah, yeah. So if you're like with that, then shoot, go for it. Don't let anyone like shame you into not putting makeup on or putting makeup on. Whatever you feel is good for you, works for you, know that and do that. So what are three things that you are grateful for and why? Of course, my family because they have, you know, they're my inspiration behind me working on myself and they inspire me daily to just get up and make shit happen. And another one is my mom because she has just worked her ass off forever to just provide us with everything. I mean, her and my dad, but my mom and I have a different type of relationship. And I just understand her on another level. And I feel like she understands me on another level. And I feel like my daughter and I have that relationship too. And it's a relationship that wasn't always like that. But now that it is, I'm so grateful for it because you know, I get it now. I get why we act a certain way. I get why things are triggering for people. I feel like a lot of the traumas she went through, I learned from. And like, we're all, we're just a work in progress. And so I'm really, really grateful for her and everything she does for our family and how she's pushed herself beyond her own limits to show up for everyone. And I feel like she's on her own personal self-love journey now. And I feel like it's only starting like the past few years and she's 61. So, you know, it's never too late. And um, so definitely inspire your mothers, your grandmothers to also go through this journey. Um, and lastly, I am grateful that you invited me again on this. Um, so uh, to be able to share this it's the first platform that I have talked about this like verbally talked about this so um before we started I was telling Margo like I'm nervous like <laughs> my thoughts are still like how am I going to say this <laughs> like please like if I can't figure out what to say <laughs> don't post but I feel good. I feel, I feel good. I feel like I rambled a bit. Um, I talked a lot, but you know, I feel like there was a lot of details that needed to be said. And yeah, it was, it was nice. I'm happy that I did it. And, you know, I hope that your listeners can like whoever resonates, find something that they can take from this. And yeah, I'm just grateful that you allowed me to share my story. And I'm so grateful for you to share your story. Again, um, the podcast is all about listening and, and sharing so that we can uplift each other, you know, and heal 
and process and whatever it is that we're, we're doing and, and remember, remember what we're doing for ourselves. Remember what we weren't able to do for ourselves at some point, really just encourage each other to continue on that journey. So I know that, you know, I don't know how many listeners I got, but I'm sure that, <laughs> you know, if it, if it resonates, well, you know, one, it resonates with me. Right. And that alone, I'm so appreciative and grateful for, and Again, you are such an inspirational friend in my life, and I, I feel very, very blessed to have you. So thank you for sharing your story for the second time, although the first time wasn't really sharing this particular story um, or these stories. Yeah, I'm excited for your growth and the growth of your family, the growth of your mother. You know, that's that's really dope. And I, I I'm pretty sure a huge reason why she is able to grow is because uh, she's inspired by you as well. I mean, she's a, she has five kids. Um, so I feel like now that we're all older, she was like, it's my time to find bitches. <laughs> to think about me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I didn't have this question planned, but since we talked about it and you wrote it in your article about how Carl said, Hey, you girl, you need to listen to some Beyonce. Um, what is like your Beyonce track that like just completely resonated with you and made you feel like, yes, yes, I'm going to listen to this. Oh my gosh. You know what? I feel like it's, um, it would probably be more like destiny's child and it would probably be survivor because, you know, like I am a survivor and that, you know, through everything, not necessarily like, yeah, in a relationship, but throughout my life, there's things that I've had to run from, escape from. And I realized eventually that I couldn't run or escape, like I had to face it. And now that I'm on the other side, and I've survived all of that, it would probably be that song. You had to ask me for another Beyonce song that's just like, just describes me it would be party hopefully one day we could party together again because it has been way too long um before we wrap up this episode though what are your plans for the future what can people expect of crystal dizonda hessa and where can they reach out to you if they want your uh life coaching um services i know you have a mother's revolution uh, a mother's evolution um, happening quite frequently. So where can they reach out to you? Um, you could follow me on the gram at Crystal Dizon Dehesa. Everything is Crystal Dizon Dehesa. So you could go on my website if you want to learn about my group coaching program for mothers. It's called the Mother's Evolution or one-on-one. -on -one. You can go to my website, crystaldizondehesa.com or email me at crystaldizonda, oh, hello at crystaldizondahessa.com. And um, I'm not very active on Facebook, still learning that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Instagram and my website would be the best places you can find me. Perfect. And, you know, I've, I've read the testimonials that mothers have uh, shared for your program, your group program, um, A Mother's Evolution. But I think A Mother's Revolution sounds like something you could create as well. It's a revolution to mothers, you know? We're gonna band out of this. 
the the ones in the a mother's evolution have been like i was like if i make a part two is that something you guys are looking for and they're like yes so maybe that can be like my part two <laughs> well again thank you so much and i've said it numerous times in this episode you're such an inspiration and i'm i'm looking forward to all the growth that I know you will have and continue to have. And I love you. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. Yes, I love you too for having me. All right. And thank you for listening as well. Again, you could catch her over at Crystal Dizon Hesta everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, um, her website, check that out, get um, newsletters and subscribe to that. And of course, viragosoul.com. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Virago Soul, that is our um, mother realness uh, blog. There other mother stories and we put some funny stuff on there too. Just things that are for the mom. We're not giving you parenting advice. We're not telling you what to do with your kids. We're telling you um, all about other moms and their stories and just 100% honest about it all. Yeah. And I know you guys released a playlist for women's month. Um, I know we're in April already, but you guys should check it out again. Virago soul crystal dizondahesa.com. And thank you for listening. Check back for our self-love stories every Friday at noon for another episode for now, sending you all love and light and catch you next time. Mm-hmm.